you so much, Handbell Choir ladies. You just did a wonderful job. Open your Bibles, please, to John chapter 1, please. John chapter 1. I understand three sons were discussing the gifts they had given their mother for Christmas. You know, it's that time of the year you're buying gifts, looking forward to gifts, maybe already exchanging gifts. And three sons were discussing the gifts they had given their mother for Christmas. And the first said, I built a big house for our mother. And the second son, well, I sent her a Mercedes. <clears throat> Generous son, son. Well, the third said, I've got you both beat. You remember how mom enjoyed reading the Bible. And you know she can't see very well. So I sent her a parrot that recites the entire Bible. He said it took church elders 12 years to teach him. Mom just has to name the chapter and verse and the parrot recites it. Well, soon thereafter, mom sent out her letter of thanks. And here's what she wrote. Dear Milton... The house you built is too huge. I live in only one room, but I have to keep the whole house clean. Dear Gerald, I am too old to travel. I stay at home most of the time, so I rarely use the Mercedes. Dearest Donald, you surely know what your mother likes. The chicken was delicious. I think she missed it, don't you? And you know, there are a lot of people that miss this whole idea of Christmas. What Christmas is all about, what we're celebrating, who we're celebrating. And the interesting thing is, even those who love Christ and know Christ and love the Word, even some Christians miss Christmas when they're reading their Bible. You know, if you were to go to the, if you're going to read the Christmas story uh, in the Bible, I assume you would turn to the New Testament. Uh, you might turn to the Gospel of Matthew. And in the Gospel of Matthew, you see it begins with the genealogy of the Lord Jesus and then proceeds to the familiar Advent story. You would probably skip the Gospel of Mark because the Gospel of Mark begins with John the Baptist uh, baptizing Jesus. So you got Matthew, Mark. Then you come to the third Gospel, the Gospel of Luke. And it may have been even the Gospel you turned to first. It contains the account that we're probably the most familiar with. And it's most um, uh, comfortable to us, the Gospel of Luke account of the uh, Christmas story. And if you were to keep going, you'd end up in the Gospel of John. And perhaps as you turn to the Gospel of John, you would assume that the Christmas story is not there. Because in the Gospel of John, you do not read of shepherds or wise men and the like. But that does not mean that the story isn't there. In fact, over the next several weeks, I want us to study the Christmas story as John tells it. And while doing so, we're going to learn or be reminded of some vital truths that we dare not miss at Christmas time. Now, I've called the series, as you see, the word became flesh. And that is a phrase that I've taken from the Gospel of John, the very first chapter. And really, it summarizes the Christmas story. The word became flesh. And so I want us to read the account of the Christmas story as the Gospel of John tells it. And it sounds different than you're used to. So listen real carefully. And we're going to be in the Gospel of John uh, throughout our times together. We'll look at some other scripture as well. Uh, Be prepared to go to some other gospel today. But uh, to begin with, John chapter 1 
And I'll begin reading at verse number one down through verse 14. John chapter one, beginning at verse one, and we'll read down through verse 14. The Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world... And the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the Christmas story in just eight words. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. But it's important for you to know, beloved, that the Christmas story did not begin in Bethlehem. It did not begin with Mary and Joseph. It did not begin in the manger. No, the story goes further back than that. In fact, it goes way back, well beyond what we can even comprehend. Before the creation of the world, in the eternal purpose of God, before man was ever created, John reminds us of that here in his opening verses. And I'd like to spend a few minutes unpacking them with you. Look at John 1, 1 and 2 again. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and the Word here is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 14 it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the Christmas story. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now here's the question. Why does John refer to the Lord Jesus as the Word? What does it mean that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God? The Word um, became flesh and dwelt among us. Why does He call Jesus the Word? Elmer Towns answered the question beautifully. He said, referring to Christ as the word is more easily understood when we reflect on our purpose for using words. By the way, we're studying the word today in our Sunday school classes, weren't we? Psalm 119, talking about the word of God in our adult classes. He said, words are used, listen, to communicate, to express and convey meaning. Therefore, Jesus is the expression, the revelation and the communication of God himself. He's the, let me say that again, he's the expression, the revelation, the communication of God himself. Christ is the incarnate word of God. The Bible says here quite a bit about him. In fact, uh, we learned that, uh, first of all, he is eternal. 
the word Jesus is eternal. Now, remember, this is way before the baby in the manger. Jesus is eternal. In the beginning was the word. He was in the beginning with God. Jesus existed in the beginning. This is before creation. We read about creation in verse three. This is well beyond creation. It says in the beginning was the word. He was not created. He did not come into existence. There was never a time when he was not. Now, when you read John 1, 1, it reminds you of another verse, doesn't it? In the beginning. What do you think of when you hear those words? Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning. Yeah. And a lot of us know that one by heart. If you didn't get any other Joshua code verse, you probably got that one. You remember that one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But this is well before then. This verse takes us back before Genesis 1.1. Now, it's hard for us to get our arms around this. It's hard for us to get our minds wrapped around this. But God has always been. Forever, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have enjoyed fellowship together. We see a picture of this. If you look at Jesus' life, when you get to the high priestly prayer in John 17, listen to what Jesus says in John 17, 5. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Think about that. It's important for us to know this, beloved. It's important for us to remember that Jesus did not begin in Mary's womb. He lived before the womb. That's why I call today's message a little bit unusual title, but the one who lived before the womb. Now, I couldn't call it the one who lived before he was born because everybody lives before they're born. We believe in life at conception. We believe in the sanctity of human life. All of us started out in our mother's womb. I don't think anybody remembers that, praise the Lord. It would have been kind of cramped and tight, but that's where we all began, every one of us. And that's hard to believe when you look at us now. But that's where we all started. But that's not where Jesus started. He's always existed forever and ever. He is eternal. But not only that, we learn this about Jesus. Not only is he eternal, but Jesus was with God, it says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. What does that mean, he's with God? Well, I think this pictures, beloved, uh, intimacy. It pictures fellowship. It pictures communion. It literally has the idea of being face to face. In the beginning, Jesus was with God the Father, if you will. This intimacy, communion, fellowship. In that same prayer in John 17, here's what Jesus says in verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you've given me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me for you love me. Listen, before the foundation of the world. Now, think about it, beloved. God was perfect and complete. He didn't need the world that we live in. He did not need you and he did not need me. I hope that doesn't upset your story. It was the truth. He was complete and perfect within himself. Perfect. He didn't need the world, didn't need us. One God in three persons, the Trinity. We can't grasp it. We can understand it. We can't explain it. We accept it by faith. Jesus is distinct from the other persons of the Godhead, yet he's one with them. But long before the world was created, long before the baby in the manger, long before any of this, God. Perfect communion, perfect completeness, perfect fellowship. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, think about this. Jesus, the word is eternal. 
He's always been. It says he was with God. And then it says what? It says that Jesus is God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was God at the beginning and beloved, he's still God today. This speaks of his deity. He is God. And these are not just kind of side issues that, you know, that might be nice to know. You need to understand this. That he is God. You must understand this. This is so important. Your eternity hangs on this point. Why? Why is it so important, preacher? Well, a couple of reasons. First of all, because if Jesus is not God, then there is no salvation. If he is not God, then there's no salvation. I was reading this past week, something a pastor wrote. He said, I'll never forget the sign I saw in front of a church many years ago. It was publicizing the sermon title for Christmas Sunday. And you know what the sermon title was at that church on Christmas Sunday? Here's what it was. Just another baby. Just another baby. This pastor said, I couldn't imagine how anyone could believe that. If Jesus had been just another baby, we'd all be lost in our sins and have no hope of heaven. The baby lying in that manger did not come into being nine months earlier. He existed in the form of God long before that night. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 6. He's not just another baby. Beloved, if he is just another baby who was born in time, who became a religious teacher and died some sort of martyr's death, then we are fools. We might as well close up shop and go home and I should find something noble and worthy to do with my life and you should do the same. But beloved, he was not just another baby. He was God in the flesh, forever existing, yet stepping into humanity. We catch a glimpse of that in Matthew's gospel. Put your finger in John, please, and turn back to Matthew 1. And I want to show you how important this is. And in this familiar story in Matthew, we see it for ourselves. Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. Words that you surely love. Words you may know by heart by now. But keep John. We'll be back. John. But turn to Matthew 1, verse 18. We'll read down through verse 23. Look at what it says. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. And while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now watch verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Now watch this next phrase. For he will save his people from their what? From their sins. Beloved, only God could do that. Look at the next verse. Uh, Verse uh, 22 and 23. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophets. This has been foretold, saying, verse 23, behold, the virgin shall be with child. Boy, that's different, isn't it? Only time in history, a virgin with child and bear a son. And they shall watch this. Call his name. What? Emmanuel, which is translated. What? God with us. Beloved, it was God lying in that manger. 
And that makes all the difference in the world. And so Matthew starts out kind of that way. And what's John say? Same thing. God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so if He is not God, then there's no salvation. It's crucial that you know this truth, that Jesus is God. He is eternal. He is God. But there's another reason why we need to get this right. Our own uh, seminary president, Southern Seminary President, Al Mohler, had some wonderful words about this. He said, why is this so important? He said, put simply, if we get the Christmas story wrong, we get the gospel wrong. If we get the Christmas story wrong, we get the gospel wrong. He said, told carelessly, the Christmas story sounds like God's plan B. In other words, we can make the Christmas story sound like God turning to a new plan rather than fulfilling what he promised. Christmas is not God's second plan. Before he created the world, God determined to save sinners through the blood of his own son. I got to thinking about this and it just kind of dawned about this really rest of us. Are there those, even children of God, who really believe that God had a plan A and a plan B? Are there those who think, well, you know, the Old Testament was God's plan A. And the law and sacrifice and all these things, if they keep the law, then and man failed. And so God said, well, we're going to do now. Well, here's the New Testament plan B. We're going to send Jesus. Beloved, can I just say to you, nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus has always been God's plan. Plan A. All the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Actually, all the way back before Genesis ever existed, the world ever existed or anything was. But in Genesis chapter 3, very early in the scripture, we find a picture of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Listen to what Genesis 3, 14 and 15 says. Remember, man just sinned, failed, ate the forbidden fruit. Genesis 3, 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, you're cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, you shall eat the dust all the days of your life. Now listen to verse 15. Here's the gospel in Genesis. Genesis 3.15. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed, listen, and her seed. Very unusual. Speaking about a woman's seed. That would be the man you refer to. No. Why? Because some of the virgin. I'll put enmity between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Jesus has always been God's plan A. This is not something that just came up recent times. He's not saying, well, you know, that whole law thing didn't work out there. And the Testament, Old Testament sacrifice didn't work out. No, Jesus has always been the plan. Now, does this not lift your heart? And praise. Now think about this for a moment. To think that God, I want you to think really deeply. To think that God, the Trinity, before, now we're going way back now, before even creating the world, before even creating man, God knew that we would sin and reject Him before He even created us. Now listen. Think about this. That means that God knew he'd have to send his son, the Lord Jesus, to give his life to redeem us before he even 
created us. Now listen, listen. That means that God knew that Jesus would have to come and humble himself and become a little baby, God in the flesh, in his mother's womb, be born and grow in order to be one of us so he could take our place before he ever created us. Now think about that for a moment. None of this just dawned on God. None of this surprised God. God didn't wring his hands in the garden and say, oh my, they disobeyed me. He knew before he ever planted the garden, ever made the garden, ever made man in the garden. He didn't need us, didn't need the garden, didn't need the world. He's complete within himself. But in his love and his grace and his mercy, he said, I'm going to create man. I know he's going to reject me. I know he's going to sin. I know it's going to cost my son his life. Jesus is there. He's with God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And yet in the eternal purpose of God, in the Trinity, and this is so mind-blowing, we can't even even approach it. In that moment, whenever it was, in, in eternity, God said, let's make man in our own image. Male and female. And Jesus, willing even... And again, I'm stretching to even try to explain it new. Let me ask you this. If he cared that much for us before he even created us, before he even created the world and anything in it, don't you think that he cares about you now and what you're experiencing now and what you're going through now? And the trials and the struggles. Think about it. Before he even created us, he knew it was going to cost him so dearly. Yet he said, you know what? I, 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 I still love it. I'm going to do that. I'm going to give Jesus in your place. This is mind-boggling, beloved. The Christmas story in the Gospel of John. And it begins in the beginning, but well before Genesis 1-1 beginning, way back in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And the Word, Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, what do we do with this? Because we're out of time. What do we do with this? Well, here we are at the beginning of December. Don't close up shop yet. I've got three things to give you real quickly. This is December what? Fourth? Is that right? What do we do with this? Because you know, December's before us. We think about all this stuff. Going. How do we make sure that we keep Christ the center of all of this? How do we make sure we keep our hearts and minds upon on Christ? Well, I think we can take a cue from some of the first people, uh, the people that were involved in the very first Christmas. Three words come to mind. I'll give them to you real quickly and some scripture references, and then we'll close up shop. Three words you can use this Christmas season. Number one, I think we need to be filled with wonder like Mary. Be filled with wonder like Mary. Jot this reference down. I was going to read it, but I'll give you the reference. Luke 1, 46 through 55. Luke 1, 46 through 55. We find that Mary is processing what has happened in her life. She has the holy child. I'll give you some of it. Verse 46. Mary said in Luke 1, 46, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit is rejoicing God, my Savior. He's regarded the lowly estate of His maidservant. Uh, he goes on down. Uh, she goes on down talking about all the great things that God has done. And she's filled with wonder. 
And beloved, when you really start to process what we've been talking about, about eternity past, that God knew all these things, yet still created us and, and gave Christ in our place, knowing before Him, how can we help but be filled with wonder? Jesus, you came and you humbled yourself and you literally, think about it. God, nine months. I'm, a, I'm assuming a full term. Nine months. In Mary's womb. Submitting to Mary and Joseph. Think about that. Feel, be filled with wonder like Mary. Secondly, the second word is this. We should be, I think, filled with worship like the wise men. I'll give you one verse. Matthew 2.11 it says, when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. What a picture. These royal people, these wise men, these, these men come and they bow and fell down before a young child. Wasn't in the stable. He was a young child at that point. I know that we kind of think about it all happened the same night, but we can only have a Christmas program for so long because, you know, two years later, it's just not the same. Uh, but he's a, he's a young child and, and they come in. Here's a toddler, if we can say it that way. And they fall down before him and worship him and present unto him gold, frankincense and myrrh. Worship. That's what should characterize this Christmas season for us. Wonder. And I think it leads to worship. And then finally, we should witness like the shepherds. Witness like the shepherds. I love what it says about the shepherds in Luke 2, 15 through 18. So it was when the angels had gone away from them to heaven. The shepherds said one to another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Verse 17 says of Luke 2. Now, when they had seen him. They made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. They witnessed, they told others, and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. We should witness like the shepherds. There are folks who have no idea what we're celebrating. They have no idea who we're celebrating. They have no idea what this is all about. They're caught up in it. They may participate in it. They may do things like we do, but they don't really, really, really know the one whom we celebrate. What a great time it is to witness and share the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you in closing, do you know the Lord Jesus? Have you received the great gift of eternal life? If not, come to him in repentance and faith today and receive the greatest gift ever given, eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. wish we had more time, but we're not done. We're going to be in John 1. You can put a marker there. We'll come back. And keep studying John's account of the Christmas story. Father, we are so grateful as we bow in your presence now. Father, our minds cannot comprehend. They're just, you know, you created us. How can finite beings really consider infinite? But Lord, I just pray. That you would help us to be filled this Christmas season with wonder and worship and a witness for the Lord Jesus. And I pray if anybody here does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, this will be the moment where your Holy Spirit comes, convicts their heart, and brings them to saving faith. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The altar is open today. We're going to close with what child is this, number 118. You need to be saved today. We'd love to help you.
If you're already saved, you want to come today. Maybe you just want to give some fresh worship and praise to the Lord and bow and wonder and just pray today. Please do that. As we stand and sing 118, what child is this? The altar's open. You come as God leads you. Thank you.